0: so if you've been here wow this really is loud and I have to really tone it down because I, I have a lot don't do it you don't watch. watch this don't do it. I, but, it, but, it, but it, this is more comfortable right there just like that <laughs> before I got up here Tim's like button up that top button yeah, <laughs> alright okay far enough <laughs> And I have to set a timer. If you've ever heard me do announcements on Sunday, you know that I take twice as long as everyone else. And Tim was pretty specific at saying you have t- about 20 minutes. So my timer has started. We're good. I have 19 and a half minutes left. I don't have enough time now. Can <laughs> we start over? Well, good morning, everyone. I love it. That's the, most, that's the most thing I've gotten back from you guys ever. This is great. And there's my mom. She's filming. Hi, is that Facebook Live? Yep. <laughs> Hello, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so this morning I woke up at 7 o'clock, which is pretty rare for a Sunday. And I, I wasn't nervous about today yet. And I went out to our couch and I laid on the couch, which is what I typically do on the first day of class. And I, and I never realized what's happening until my wife walks into this room and she sees me. On the very first day of class, every term I I managed to find my way to the couch and Amanda walks in and she's like, what are you doing? I'm just laying there and I'm not really like thinking of anything. I'm not really feeling much of anything except maybe a lot of nerves. That's pretty much monopolized my emotions. And then it dawns on her, oh, today's the first day of class. And I'm just like super nervous every single term that before the first day of class. So this morning I got up and I was on the couch and I was laying there and not really like understanding what's going on with me and then she came out and she's like, oh yeah, you're, you're speaking today, aren't you? So this is, I'm nervous. Yeah, it's good. But I'm alive. <clears throat> but I, I do this all the time. Like Terry said, I teach at the university. I teach a couple different classes. I teach two classes called confidence and uh, which has to do with some public speaking. So I've been doing this for three years in front of students, (laughs) but I still get nervous. (laughs) And just recently I started teaching a class of 200 students this term, uh, principles of advertising. Super exciting. So now I'm really used to looking out into the crowd and seeing all of your smiling faces. And I'm really good at calling you out if you're sleeping. (laughs) So no sleeping. You can smile a little bit though. Uh, So... The title, I, I kind of wanted to follow Tim's footsteps and try, come up with something maybe like kind of clever and like maybe a little funny, because yours are always so funny. So the title I decided to land on today is As Bare As You Dare and A Serious Case of the SFDs. <laughs> so... Tim asked me in this series of the wisdom of, he said, Derek, we come and talk about the wisdom of vulnerability. So I'm here to talk about the wisdom of vulnerability, which does, it, does that just sound weird or to anybody else? Like it doesn't make any sense, like wisdom and vulnerability that did a little bit of a paradox. Like there should, there's no real wisdom in this idea of vulnerability with how we usually walk around defining vulnerability. Uh, just, just curious if anybody has the courage to shout it out. When you think of vulnerability... What do you think of when you think of vulnerability? Scary. S-scary, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> what else? <Crying>. Sweaty. What? <laughs> Crying. <laughs> TMI, right? Too much information. Oh my gosh, that poor girl. Just sit her down. So there's this paradox of the wisdom of vulnerability. Paradox being like the common wisdom of what something should be all of a sudden shows up and start contrast and all of a sudden maybe we are challenged to believe the opposite of what we've always believed of something. So we believe typically that vulnerability is crying and it sucks and it's sweaty and it's scary and all those things. I actually found a couple of other paradoxes that I thought were kind of funny this morning. Uh, Here's here some things that people say with paradoxes. Nobody goes into that place, it's too crowded. Have you heard these? These are, these are like old. I mean, have you, You've probably done these a million times, right? Uh, don't go near the water till you learn how to swim. <laughs> My seven-year-old's like, <laughs> I know, it, that's what it feels like, right? Uh, here's one. Have you ever done this? If you get this message, call me. If you don't, don't call me. <laughs> it's old stuff, right? But here's some, here's some, here's some question, questions of paradoxes or paradoxes. It's framed as questions. Uh, what if you're in your car going the speed of light and you turn your headlights on? There's that paradox. I'm fascinated to find that one out. Uh, here's one. If the temperature outside is zero and, and your weather app says that tomorrow it's going to be twice as cold, it's supposed to snow Monday, right? Uh, and then uh, can, a, can a person drown in the fountain of eternal life? I don't know, I don't know if that's going to, if that would happen, yeah. So there's this paradox of vulnerability, which is there is wisdom in vulnerability, and hopefully by the end of our next 15 minutes, 14 minutes and 8 seconds, uh, I will have helped us all understand that how we typically view this idea of vulnerability is really, there's something more for us within this idea of vulnerability, something that I think has the power to get us to where we really want to be, something to bring us back to where we've wandered from, something that we're really, really desperate for. Uh, and Tim said, you got to use some Bible verses. So I put a couple of Bible verses up there. <coughs> so the very, the very first, so let's go back to the beginning, right? The story in Genesis, the story of the Garden of Eden, and the very beginning of our existence, but the, so, and this is, and we all know what happens, right? Adam and Eve are in the garden, they're hanging out, and then they do what God said not to do, and then they, all of a sudden, everything changes, right? Everything changes for Adam and Eve. And so they go and they hide behind whatever they're hiding behind, and then um, the Lord God shows up in the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. A few summers ago, my wife and I loaded up all of our kids into our minivan. It's a classic minivan. It was a 2000 Chrysler Grand Voyager. We loved it. (laughs) My wife won't get anything else but a minivan now after we've had minivans. And we went down to Skinner's Butte Park, the, the one that's just like, like right over there, right? And uh, we had our kids in the van, and we were going to the park to have a great day at the park, and we turn the corner, but there's that community garden over there, you know the community garden I'm talking about, if you've been in? Okay, so the community garden, we turned the corner to the community garden, and all of a sudden, we see this mob of naked people on their bicycles, Has anybody heard of the World Naked Bike Ride? Who's heard of the World Naked Bike Ride? This is a real thing. People in the summer will get as bare as they dare, which is on their website, and they mount their bicycles in the summer, butt naked, and they go for a ride. And they're doing it all over the world at the same time. And... What is it about some nakedness that we just freak out about? Oh my gosh, so Amanda and I quickly were like, oh my gosh, kids, hey, look at, look at over here. Here's the worm farm. Look at the community garden over here. Here's the worm farm. Do you see the worm farm? Oh, look at the corn, it's so big. And look at all oh, the hops are growing, it's so beautiful. And they're like riding over this way and our kids are like looking over here. And I think one of our kids actually was like, what's that? Nothing, nothing, look at the hops. <laughs> World naked. So don't go down to Skinnersby Park on like at the end of June if you don't want to see a bunch of naked people riding their bikes. If you do it, you know when to do it. <clears throat> but there's something about nakedness that we get really nervous about, that we get uh, it, it stirs up a lot of emotions in us. We, want, we typically want to hide that. Uh, so, what's interesting to me about that one little bit of scripture is that when God shows up, which He had always done, He always shows up in the garden. That was like their routine show up in the garden. Let's hang out. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk about what's going on. Tell me what your life's about. Tell me how it's going. I'm managing the garden, which is your job, and all of a sudden they're hiding. And all of a sudden, for Adam and Eve, like their world changed. The way they saw themselves had changed. But when God showed up, business as usual. This is what we always do. Nothing was different. He even said, "Who told you? Who told you you were naked?" Even for even in that moment, when they were and when everything had changed for them, they were still. Uh, for him, everything was still the same. And I would argue that it's still the same like right now for us, even though we are looking at ourselves and thinking something very, very different about our identity. God is still seeing us and thinking about us the same way he ever has. I want to hang out with you. <clears throat> there it is, verse 11. And he said, who told you you were naked? Thank you. <laughs> Keeping me on track. Who told you you were naked? This This gets into probably like the most important thing that I would love to talk with us, talk with you, have a conversation with you about this morning, is this idea of the the SFDs, the serious case of the SFDs. Uh, Who told you you were naked? God didn't tell them they were naked. Someone else told them that they were naked. Probably something in here probably a conversation they had with themselves. Probably all of a sudden they looked at each other and they were feeling a lot of stuff that they were feeling because they did something they weren't supposed to do and all of a sudden uh, they were naked. They had to hide. What's the next one? Here we go. If we want to know where where everything started to go sideways for us, it's probably in the garden, right? Well, I mean, duh, like everything was sideways in the garden. Uh, the, the, the SFDs, the, this idea of SFDs, Uh, Anybody know Brene Brown? I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown. uh, I'm such a fan. A friend of mine calls me a brownie boy. You're such a brownie boy. And I I reference her work a lot right now. Uh, She is a uh, researcher who lives in Texas, and she studies shame. Who wants to talk about shame this morning? Don't raise your hand. She talks about shame. She talks about vulnerability. She talks about connection. uh, She talks about living wholeheartedly. And Uh, She has this idea of the SFD, and so for churches and children, we'll call it the stormy first draft. If we weren't in church, we could call it the thing that rhymes with pity, first drafts it's this idea of we walk around all the time telling ourselves stories. This, these stories that we tell ourselves. So, we, we go through our existence, stuff happens, we feel all kinds of feelings, and uh, our brains are hard, hardwired for a story is what she says. And there's all kinds of brain research that, that she, she pulled from that says, like, we are hardwired for a story. We, we want to make meaning of our existence. And so, something happens to us, and this happens, and then this happens, and this happens, but there's these gaps in the story that we tell ourselves. So there's these gaps in the story. So what we do is our brains can't handle the ambiguity of the story, so we fill in the gaps with whatever we want. Just pick up an insert, put it in in the story. And that's the story that we tell ourselves. And because we don't have the whole story and we're desperate for a story, we just make up the story all the time of what's going on around us. And where did it start? Well, now, it started in the beginning, right? So the serpent, we probably didn't walk around telling ourselves these crazy first drafts because we got to walk with God. and We probably knew how to have real vulnerable, honest conversations with God. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm curious about. This is what I'm confused by. I don't understand this. What's going on? No shame. And then all of a sudden, the serpent shows up, and the serpent, who was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? What's the next one? And then, uh, and then he also says a little bit later, like you uh, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman. So we come by it honestly. We never had this idea of a crazy, self-inspired first draft of our stories until, like, this serpent showed up and said, started started introducing these questions to us that really started questioning the character of God, which questioned our identity. And if you think about who we are, who we were made from, and who we were made to be, we're made in the image of God, right? We're made in the image of this, this person, these three people that are living together in perfect relationship. They love each other. They serve each other. They're existing in like this perfect harmony and this humility to each other. And that's who we were created out of. We look just like that. That was, that was That's the blueprint of us. And... Not only were we made out of that, but we were made to function that way. We were made to function in relationship. We were made out of relationship for the purpose of relationship of the very person who made us. Why did he make us? Because he just likes us. And he likes us and he wants to be with us and he wants to talk with us and walk with us in the garden and have a conversation with us. And he wants to hear what's going on with us just because he likes us. And all of a sudden, this thing shows up and starts to introduce this SFD. This is, this is uh, starting to ask these questions. And what happened is when those SFDs showed up and it starts to question the character of God and how we understand and believe God to feel and think about us, all of it, we start to turn away a little bit. We start to turn away from God and we start to think about this stuff and we start to make our own meaning of who God is and who we are made to be and why we're made to be here. And all of a sudden we get sideways. I wonder if that SFD is really what was the stick and the spokes of what happened in Eden and when, when we left. We forgot who we were. We started making our own meaning of things. So this idea of vulnerability and the wisdom of vulnerability, is there another slide? I teach this in confidence class. Don't ever look at your slides and speak. and let your, They're like your Sherpa. Let your slides do all the heavy lifting and let them kind of guide you where you want to go. This is good. Yeah, this is a good. Thank you. <laughs> so the wisdom of vulnerability is the knowledge and practice of being seen with the intent of connection. So this idea of vulnerability, we want to run and we want to hide because it means that we're weak, we're exposed. Someone can take advantage of us, someone can manipulate us, and we don't ever want to be in that place. This idea of vulnerability, is, it drives us away from connection. Oh my gosh, you're going to take advantage of me. If I tell you how I'm thinking, if I tell you how I'm feeling, you're going to not be with me. You're going to like, walk away from me. You're going to reject me. You won't be my friend anymore. So this idea, let's not even talk about the idea. Our deepest desire as human beings is connection. The one thing that we want the most is to be connected with people. I want you to see me. I want you to know me vulnerability is the pathway to connection if we don't have the ability to understand what vulnerability is which is a pretty powerful thing to get us what we most desperately want relationship connection if we don't understand that's the pathway then we're going to continue wandering around telling ourselves this first draft which is vulnerability's scary vulnerability sucks i don't like how it makes me feel it's going to it's going to expose me you're going to take advantage of me that's the sfd So this idea of vulnerability is it gets us exactly where we want to be. It's not just the knowledge. So this, oh, that sounds really good, Derek. Oh, it's sitting right here. It's kind of making sense to me. But where the work really gets hard is when we take this stuff from up here and we let it like sink down right into here, which is where we start to feel stuff. And there's this paradox of, oh, that sounds really good. Oh, this feels really scary and awful and pity rhymes with pity. We don't want to go there, but here's the paradox. That's the only way we get to what we really want. We are not going to get to the kind of connection that we want unless we allow ourselves to be seen and to be known. Make sense here? But that's an act of actually walking it out. Hey, Joel, this is what's going on with me. Or Joel asks me, hey, Derek, how's it going? What's our first reply? How's it going? What's your reply? Fine. Good. Good. Wow, that's vulnerable. <laughs> let, me how, let me tell you how I'm really feeling. Look, let, let me, let, here's, here's how I am known. I'm fine. If you, so here's a simple step. If you actually want to practice some vulnerability in your life today, then when you leave here, and you, or even like when we dismiss, stick around for five more minutes than you usually do and find someone that you're sitting next to or someone that you haven't talked to for a long time. Say, how you doing? And then don't give, give yourself permission to say something more than, I'm fine or I'm good. Unpack that. Or if you say you're good, are, are, are you good? What does that mean? I'm good, man. Today I, I'm going over to Prue's house and I'm so excited because he's ordering like three hammer pizzas from Track Town. It's like my favorite pizza and I've been dreaming about it all night. I'm so good right now. <laughs> <clears throat> it's something that we have to practice this idea of vulnerability. If we don't practice little tiny things with people that we trust, then invite a little bit more of this thing of being known, then we're gonna walk around and we're never gonna be known. We're never gonna be seen. And that is the only way to get to what we want, which is the connection. Connection. Is there something else up there? Is there like a word up there or something that we can flash up? Oh, yeah. Has anybody seen this? Has anybody seen it? Anybody seen this? Saubona? So uh, I've watched, have uh, you seen Avatar? The movie Avatar? Where are my Avatar people? Hands nice and high. I'm, I guarantee I'm sweating more than you are. Put your hands up. How are you? <laughs> All right, so there's this scene in the movie where there's this exchange of the native people of Pandora, and the, the exchange when they see each other is, I see you. I do not die. I see you. And it's not this act of, oh, I'm looking at you, but it's this act of, Seeing who you are, recognizing your humanity, and honoring that you are here in front of me and that you have a story and a life to give and to share, which is way different than, what's up? <laughs> Time to wrap it up. Oh, okay, okay. Sobona means I see you. It's really easy to let someone else be seen. How many people in this room would say with me, oh my gosh, if somebody wanted to be vulnerable with me and tell me what's going on with them, if somebody wanted to allow themselves to be seen, I'd let them, I'd let them show me who they are. Where are you? It's really easy to invite someone and allow someone to be seen. Let's flip it. How much harder, dang near impossible, to make the effort to allow yourself to be seen and to be known by someone else. There's a little bit of a paradox, right? Almost all of us in the room are willing to let someone else be seen, but we're not willing to allow our own self to be seen. Even though everyone around us is willing to let you do that, it's just—it's crazy, right? So, the paradox of vulnerability is that It is the pathway to get us closer to the thing that we are the most desperate for, and that's connection. The thing that was broken from the very beginning, the thing that we were made from and made for, it's broken and we are desperate to get back. And the best way for us to understand what that looks like and what that feels like and to practice it is probably the person that's sitting right next to us or a parent or a sibling. Or a wife, absolutely. If we don't flip vulnerability on its head and take into consideration that it is the way back to where we most want to be, then we're going to walk around and we're going to be stuck where we are more often than not. Is there anything else up there? Oh, there should be one more, I think. Oh, yeah, there it is. (laughs) <laughs> it looks so much like the other one, I got confused. So ask yourself this question, are we willing to let go of who we think we should be to be who we are? And are we willing to let someone see us? Are we willing to practice this, uh, this word of saubona, I see you, and I am willing to let you see me? Uh, you want to come up? Uh, it is a very scary place because we take this right here which is probably the scariest and most beautiful part of who we are as people and we have to pull the curtains back and we have to expose ourselves a little bit we have to invite somebody into this scary place where the question begs to be asked will you, will you accept me and will you love me if you see what's in there right? Are you going to run away? Are you going to abandon me? Are you going to reject me? Which is terrifying because we just want to be loved and accepted. And the only way to get there is to pull that curtain back and allow ourselves to be, uh, to be seen. So I asked Joel a couple weeks ago, hey, will you sing this really like song, this cool song that I love? I've been listening to it for months. And it is, And vulnerability is actually a very, very hard thing for me for lots of reasons. Buy me coffee and I'll tell you a little bit more about that sometime. Wednesdays are usually a good day. (laughs) About nine. Uh, To have the courage to allow yourself to be seen uh, requires a little bit of trust, requires uh, a lot of courage. Uh, So this song is called Sales. And it's an invitation all the time for me I listened to it on the way home from teaching. I listened on the way to teaching. I listened to it on the way here this morning. Um, uh, To posture yourself in a way that allows yourself to uh, be seen and to be known, and what makes it a little bit easier to allow yourself to be seen and known uh, is to remember who we are made from and what what we are made to what we are made for, which is we're made from relationship for the purpose of relationship. And uh, there's nothing that could actually uh, separate us from that relationship except ourselves. I think that's all I got.